success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. Oh, I have an amazing guest and friend to introduce you to, Nancy Paradise. She's a database manager at Special Olympics, Minnesota. She is the former, is that, would that be right? Former Mrs. Minnesota International. Did I say that right? Minnesota. Minnesota. 2004. She is married to Francois for 40 years. Oh my gosh. And a mom to four grown children and a Nana of five grandchildren. How fun. Welcome, Nancy. It is so great to have you here on the She's Invincible podcast. Thank you, Cami. I'm, I'm, you know, I admit I'm a little nervous, but I'll be, I'm sure I'll be okay with your guidance. <laughs> oh, girl, you're invincible. You got oh, that's it. That's right. That's right. I'm invincible. That's right. That's right. And that's what we're going to do right now. We are going to jump in. I would love for you to tell our listeners how you got where you are today and what makes you invincible. Well, I guess I'll go back to college. I went to Arizona State University. I didn't finish, um, but I have now because I'm invincible. And but I met my um, met my husband. I took French my freshman year and my sophomore year. I thought I could go work at the little French restaurant because I have a year of French. And I met my future husband there. And yes, Francois is very French. He was born and raised in Paris. And I'm very grateful to his first wife for bringing him to the United States. And that's why I was able to meet him. And I was 19 and he was 31 when he asked me to marry him. And so I got married when I was 20 and that started my journey with my husband. We were in Arizona for another uh, several years. And then when our firstborn together was five, we moved back to Minnesota. So we're back in the frozen tundra and he gets mad every winter that we're here, but that's okay. And so... but he was uh, working at a restaurant and I met one of his servers and at a holiday party, her name was Anastasia. I hope she's going to be listening because that she changed my life. And so she, well, first Francois did, of course, but, um, but she was our, uh, I met her at a holiday party. Of course, you remember a name like Anastasia. And we went into the restaurant for a Sunday brunch and she ended up being our server. And I love God's way of just being so funny because she wasn't supposed to work that day. She was called in because the server was sick. She, and I ended up in her station. And then not that I'm intimidating because I'm not at all, but I was the boss's wife. So just that position is intimidating. And she was our server and she was with Mary Kay Cosmetics. And she asked me if I would be interested in a facial. And so that started my whole journey. She introduced me to a wonderful cosmetics company and it totally changed my life from there. And I learned to be uh, less 
um, shy, I guess the word is. I was very reserved and shy. And I became a, a director with that company and leading women in a unit. And uh, like the confidence just grew completely. Well, that led to then all of a sudden I got this postcard because I was in a fashion show for this company that they sent me this card for this pageant. And I'm like, why would I enter a pageant? I've never done a pageant. So at 43 years old, I was the oldest contestant <laughs> at this pageant that ever won. And so I first ran up the first year, I won the second year. So 2004, that was the Mrs. Minnesota International. There is, I didn't know there are several different pageant systems out there. So international is a very special system that is based on platform. So I was volunteering for Special Olympics at the time, and I chose them as my platform. I was also, at that time, working at the school district in my son's elementary school with special needs children. So I was going to be a special ed teacher when I went to school, and I didn't finish, but I was in my world, and I was so happy. So five years at that school working with um, wonderful, wonderful classroom, and I still see these children now they're not children anymore now they're adults and they are most of them are athletes at special olympics so i still get to see them compete and be part of their life i love that and so then um that led me to then i left the school and had my year with mrs minnesota completely amazing year i watched my youngest son become a young gentleman because he came to a lot of the events with me and by the end he was opening doors for me and carrying my bags and um, just so much fun. It was, it was a year going all over Minnesota talking about Special Olympics. So I was like, you know, a spokesperson for the organization. And then I, they asked me to be on the board of directors. And so for five years, I, I served on the board and it was amazing. And I became the first board member to take the plunge. And I'm wearing my jacket with my polar plunge jacket, that's our biggest fundraiser for the year, is plunging into frozen lakes in the middle of winter in Minnesota. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. And so as I got more involved, um, I thought, you know, my brother has special needs and that's why my, my world, that was my passion. And he never got involved. My parents never thought it was a good fit for him because he wasn't athletic and his motor skills had been, you know, slow when he was a little boy. And so it just didn't seem like it was going to be a good fit for him. Well, as I got more involved, I realized, oh, this is way more than just sports. And he liked to bowl. And so I said, Dave, what, what happened is I brought him to an event that I was helping at with the Minnesota Twins. Oh, that impressed him. <laughs> so, so he um, came with me and then um, we were driving home and he was, he's high functioning. So he was driving. So there's my brother, Dave, and he were driving along the freeway. And I just said, okay, that was pretty fun, wasn't it? He goes, yeah. And I go, all right, I would think it'd be really great for you to be a part of it. Would you want to hear more about maybe starting it with bowling? And I said, and if you don't want to hear any more about Special Olympics, I will not say another word. But if you are just a little bit interested, just let me know. And then I'll figure out what we have to do. Long pause. And then he said, I might be a little interested. So I picked up my cell phone. I was in the passenger seat and I called mom right away. And I said, okay, mom, call the doctor, get a physical for Dave. He's going to be, become a uh, Special Olympics athlete. So I found the local team by me and started him on bowling. And one of, I'm just going to share one quick story about, about that because it, it kind of led the whole way of his whole journey. And so we're, 
I'm a terrible bowler. I was his partner. <laughs> and it was like, but you know what? We had fun. Didn't matter. So we'd get the ribbons, you know, fourth, fifth place, whatever. But we just, we're not getting that medal, that first, second, or third, that gold, silver, or bronze. And then one competition, we're there and they call us into the awards room and you don't really know when you're out there bowling, you know, where you're placing. And so we get up there and they call us for third place. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we got, we got a bronze medal. So he gets up on the block and I stand in front of him. And so the partners stand in front of their, the bowlers. And then the girl came and put the, the um, medal around his neck. And I turned around to go look up at him. And as it thumped down on his chest, his face just glowed. And I, that was when I went, this is the place for Dave. And so since that day, so he was 38 years old when he became an athlete. That is not the usual story. <laughs> they usually start when they're kids, like eight years old is when you can first become an athlete with Special Olympics. And so it was a very unusual story. But he's now, um, he's served three years on the board of directors. He's one of our global messengers. He speaks all over to different groups about his experience at Special Olympics. He is a super plunger. So he has joined a team down in Rochester, Minnesota. It's about an hour south of us. That they, It's usually in February, the weekend around his birthday. So he joined the team. He's the only athlete that's been doing it. And they plunged 24 times in 24 hours into a frozen lake. It's horrible. <laughs> so, but they have to raise $3,000 each minimum to have the privilege of jumping 24 times in 24 hours. And mom and I would go every year, <laughs> go stand out there and freeze our little butts off. And I'd be taking pictures. I, I couldn't complain that my hands were cold taking pictures because here they are jumping into the water, right? So completely, completely changed. He's done so much for the organization. He's now one of our athlete, athlete influencers. It's a new position that we've just started. And they are supposed to um, be, really get out there and talk about Special Olympics and go on social media and do put things on there. So he's really being a great um, advocate for the entire organization. So um, completely life-changing, amazing how it transforms the whole world when you, when you can change a life like that. That is amazing. What an amazing story. Oh my gosh. So, wow, that really tells the journey of how you got to where you are actually working with the Special Olympics as well. So let's start with Mrs. Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> so that is amazing. Yes. And you said that was such a, a fun journey and such an exciting year of your life. So tell us a little bit about what, what does that mean? What do you, when you're Mrs. Minnesota, what do, what do you do? What are your responsibilities and all of that? Well, besides, you know, the parades, <laughs> that kind of thing, a lot of service. It's really a service role. And that's what um, intrigued me about even deciding to, to enter the pageant because I went to the website and it talked all about being marriage, service, and um, what was the third thing? No swimsuit. <laughs> so, um, so that service part. So I did everything from, you know, go to the feed that you're starving children to uh, Ronald McDonald house and playing bingo with the kids. And um, what happens is that my director would just let the people know that I was there available for all these different events. And so I would go to, you know, county fairs and, and speak about Special Olympics and um, one of the fun, one of the funnest ones was with my son. He was 14 at the, that summer, 
and we went to a county fair and I got to speak on stage about Special Olympics for about five minutes. And then we walked around and he wanted to play all the games. We found one where you pop the balloons and you can win a little a little picture of a um, car and then you can go back and win until you get the big poster of the race car. And so he was down to the last one. He was going to win that big poster. And I had three dollars left in my cash. And the guy goes, yeah, it's a dollar, mom. I'm like, OK, but I'm saving the three dollars for my mini donuts. <laughs> And so I'm like, oh, okay, here's your dollar. We just won't get the mini donuts when we go. And so I'm walking around with my crown and banner, right? In fact, I, I know people can't see it, but I, I wanted to show you because I did, I did run up and bring it down. So it, it, it did break. I wore it so much that the top thing, it's the, it's the highest part. I'm five foot 11 barefoot. And so sometimes when I got in and out of the car with my crown on, it, it would hit the tip of the crown. And then it actually, by at the end of the year, it actually broke off. So my beautiful crown is broken. <laughs> but I, so one of these days I'll get it fixed. So that'll be something I can give my granddaughters. But, um, but as I'm walking around with my crown and banner and he wins his poster, he's all happy. So we're walking out. So we had our fun day and I just stopped by the, the mini donut place and I go, could I just get a couple little donuts for $2 instead of a whole bag for $3? And she looks and she goes, are you really Mrs. Minnesota? <laughs> like, yes. She goes here. And she hands me the whole bag of donuts and she wouldn't even take my money. <laughs> my son goes, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so, so it was just um, the service part of it. And, and even being a former Mrs. Minnesota, we, as a sisterhood, we still do a lot of things when our, when our new queen is crowned, we'll do things for whatever her platform is for. We'll all, we'll all volunteer and help. So it's really, really a service oriented pageant system that and that was really why the only reason why I decided to do it because um I, I'm not definitely not a beauty queen <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well that is amazing and it's such an amazing story and uh what would you say that um let's see I guess my one question would be what did you have to do in order to be uh, uh, win you know that that award that's a great question um, so it was 50% was our platform. So that was why um, even my the first year I ran when I got first runner up and I didn't know what the heck I was doing because my platform was so personal and I was so involved with it, it was Special Olympics. That's why I scored so high. So my second year, because um, my husband had so much fun, he decided you must do this again. You must go back and win. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, um, but by that year I was, I had been much more experienced speaking and everything. So you have your um, your your onstage question. So they give you 30 seconds to answer a question. You don't know what question you're gonna get. That's a big part of your score. You have your um, judging um, where you go into the room and there's five judges and you talk to each one of the judges one by one and they score you there. So that's that 50% part. Then you have your um, aerobic wear. We didn't have a swimsuit. But the aerobic wear, you could, act, and I loved it that we could actually wear our tennis shoes and just be comfortable. It was a really ugly one piece, you know, stretchy thing, but, but that's okay. Um, and then, so then, so that was fitness. So, you, so, you know, you did have to be in shape, you know, so I worked really hard to, to be really good in shape. So that, that was 25% of your score. And then um, evening gown. And that, that was my husband's favorite part, of course, because back in 2004, we still only had the one Mrs. Pageant, and now we have preteen to Mrs. So they have all the other categories. But I, that then the Mrs. was so 
special. And the husbands got to escort their wives on stage during the evening gown and then have a voiceover come over the stage and where they got to talk about how much they loved their wife. So <laughs> my husband loved that. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I bet you loved it too. Like what, what better thing? Well, that was such an amazing story and what a great experience that was in your life to be Mrs. Minnesota. Um, and so the next thing I would love to talk a little bit about is about the Special Olympics. I know that, you know, this was such a heart uh, thing with your brother uh, for you to be able to share this with him. And oh my gosh, I didn't even realize how impactful that was for him. Like, I thought that was amazing that he got to participate, but then to be the director is just amazing and life-changing. So let's talk a little bit about um, why Special Olympics was created, uh, what you saw it did for your brother, you know, in just every, every way, right? So many ways. And then what is your main part in the company right now? What, what are you doing? So let's go there. All right. Well, historically, Kennedy Shriver, sorry. Um, she started it back in 1968 and they had their first U.S. Games in Chicago and that's where she started the, the athlete oath that they say at every single competition, if I let me win, but if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. And every single competition starts with that. So that's that's called the athlete oath. And she started it because she had a sister who was special needs and she was very passionate about that. And she actually started in her own backyard sports for children with special needs. She realized that it, would, it just really, really helped them become part of the community. And back in the 60s and 70s, they were still in institutions. So she was really ahead of the game. And having her brother as president for a few years there, that helped a lot with um, some of the things too. So then in Minnesota, it started in 1973. And so again, my brother was born in 66. So he could have been an athlete right away at eight years old, but my parents didn't know enough about it. And you know, either did I. And so then when he... Um, Started well when I was on the board of directors, and then for five years, and then the staff position came open in 2008, and uh, I was it was it was like it was made for me. <laughs> every every skill set was there. I'm like, oh my gosh! And so one of the employees emailed me and said, Nancy, there's a staff position open. You might want to look at it. And so it's been my dream job now for 13 years. Uh, actually, April 2nd was my anniversary date with Special Olympics Minnesota. And it's just been um, a really great thing. So I, I, I have this crazy job that nobody else wants. <laughs> and it's taking care of the whole donor database of Special Olympics Minnesota, which is over 600,000 people are in our system. And I take care of all the revenue that comes in. So uh, whether it comes in by the mail or our online donations or whatever it is, I process every penny that comes into the organization. And I just get it all prepared for my supervisor, who is the VP of finance. She does all the reporting, all that kind of stuff. I just get it all prepared for her. So during this past challenging year that we've had. Um, I have been the critical employee and I feel very, very blessed that I have had the chance to live kind of normally this past year of going into the office every day. And I've been, um, you know, the only one that really had permission to go in every day. And now one of our athletes comes to the front desk every morning so he can be there in the morning too. And then now people little by little, especially during our plunge season now, we started 
two months late, but um, we are still plunging. Now we're running in. They're not plunging in, <laughs> but they're still, you know, thankfully we have such fantastic, um, you know, donors that are still and plungers that are still plunging for us and still donating money for us so that we can keep our organization running for our athletes. So during this COVID year, we've been able to um, have activities virtually for them. It's not the same, of course, but we've even added things like bingo and fun games that they can do from them from their home. But they are just dying to have in-person practices and competitions again. So little by little, we're having some teams come back person to person in a safe way, of course, and they're very, very excited. So so even though I just I'm the I'm the money girl and the the computer geek, um, I as staff we all help at the plunges, we all help at the competitions. My favorite thing is to be at the competitions and um, give those hugs and high fives and and watch them compete and just see their faces glow when they when they see what they can do. That is amazing. So I know you mentioned the pandemic. Tell me and our listeners how has uh, funding and fundraising changed uh, because of the pandemic for this, you know, that you're doing here? Well, just like the, the big sponsor donors is really what's changed is because now we, we don't have the competitions really for them to, why would they sponsor it, you know? So we've been doing some very creative things that where they can still sponsor certain events and we can get the, the fundraising that way. Um, again, the plunges, we're not, not going to do nearly what we did last season, of course, but we're going to do all, probably almost half, which is we're, we're very grateful that we're doing that. We did have to cut part of our staff, which was very, very heart-wrenching for all of us. We have a small staff anyway. So when 20% get laid off, um, that was really, really hard. But um, we're doing everything we can to make sure every dollar is used in the best way and and just let people know that now we're getting back into the in-person and, and getting fundraising going again. So things like our, we have, you know, tip cops where the police officers go into the restaurants and um, serve the food and then the, the money they, they get tipped that goes to Special Olympics. Those can hopefully start coming back this summer. Um, tap on cop where they sit on top of uh, grocery stores and, and get money that way. So, and my brother is very involved with all the law enforcement fundraisers, um, you know, golf tournaments and things like that. So those are hopefully going to start coming back little by little as we, um, you know, get more, um, be able to be out in, around people again. So that I think that I be, love that. Yeah. 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 And so it, suppose there's someone here listening right now, how would they make a donation if they felt led to make a donation to the Special Olympics? Well, right now, because we have our plunges going on, um, they can go to plungemn.org and they can um, either give to a participant that's plunging or just give a general donation through our plunge. And so that's our big donation. We're going through May 1st um, is our last weekend for plunges, so they can still do that. They can go to... Um, our website, which is, um, I can shorten it. It's SOMN.org, or you can just type out all the words, specialolympicsminnesota.org. Both, both go to, to our website and they can donate there too. And so, um, or they can even mail a check into our office. And if you go to the website, our address is right on the website. And so that's, that's part of my job is getting the mail every day with those wonderful donations. <laughs> well, that is perfect. And it has been so great to hear your journey of this life of service that you've been living for all these years. I just think that is amazing. And so, you know, 
let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Well, <laughs> I guess the best thing is um, my email at Special Olympics. That would be nancy.paradise, and it's spelled differently. So it's P-A-R-A-D-E-I-S-E. Um, uh, this was nancy.paradise at S-O-M-N.org. And I'm available to answer questions about the organization or to even talk about, you know, Mrs. Minnesota. I can help you. Someone's looking to, to run in a pageant. I can lead them to the right direction um, and um, just go from there. But that's, that's probably the best way to reach me. And now a word from our sponsor, Christine Trumbull, founder of Coaching the Climb, understands the challenges of building a successful business. She's faced many of those challenges herself and helped hundreds of clients build successful businesses. With the launch of her new podcast, The Climb with Christine, you will hear the same advice she gives her clients, as well as conversations with experts in a variety of topics, including business, health, relaxation, mindset, kids, and fashion. Check it out on iTunes, The Climb with Christine, and be sure to subscribe, download, and give her a rating and review. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we our mission is to bring hope to the women in the world by sharing these stories of these fierce female entrepreneurs that have journeyed to the success where you are today. Uh, but we also promise our listeners that we're going to let them in behind the scenes and we're going to share the journey of what it took and some of the obstacles you've had to overcome to get to the success that you enjoy today. And so we do that through telling stories of the good, the bad, and the ugly. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I know it's never easy to tell those stories, but you know what? Just think about where you were in your journey throughout this time. How many times do you wish you would have had someone that could say, oh my gosh, this is nothing. Wait till I tell you what happened to me. You can do it too, right? And so that's what we're doing is we're just giving these women hope as they're comparing themselves to other people that are successful. They're coming up short. And honestly, Nancy, I have not figured out how to get women to stop comparing themselves. So I I figure... If you're not going to stop, then I'm just going to bring you all the evidence you need to tell you that you're great and you can do it, right? So let's do that for them right now. So let's start with a good story. Could you share what you would call your good story of this journey? Well, I have to say, I thought about it and meeting Francois is what changed my life. I would never have been a Mrs. So I couldn't have been a Mrs. Minnesota. (laughs) And that, you know, so many of that changed my life. It got me involved with Special Olympics and, and I mean, just everything. So it got me, it started on me on that journey. And I was a 19 year old little sophomore at Arizona State. And um, by the way, I didn't finish school back then. I finished during COVID. I finally got my degree in 2020. <laughs> oh my gosh, congratulations. That's so yeah, amazing. Don't, don't ever give up. At 60 years old, I got my degree finally. And so it's not in, in special ed. I'm not a special ed teacher, but I got it in health sciences because that made more sense of what I was doing with the rest of my life. So 
Very, very That's cool. That's beautiful. Yes. Don't, don't ever give up. Don't give up on a goal. <laughs> never. We never give up. We are invincible, right? No matter exactly. what. Oh my gosh. So you had this great life story and you got your degree too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, talk about icing on the cake, right? Right, right. Oh my gosh. So you met him when you were uh, in college yes. and he was working at the French restaurant and he hired you. How fun is that? And so now here you are all of these years later, um, just amazing. So what is he doing today? What is his, he is, is he still working at this restaurant or a restaurant? Still, well, he's still in restaurants. He's been in restaurants all these years, many different ones. You know, when you're in the restaurant business, you People tend to like get you to the top and then say bye-bye. <laughs> so, so he's gone from you know place to place, but he's now at a beautiful restaurant in St. Paul called um, French Meadow. And how funny that the re restaurant that he's probably going to retire from is called French Meadow. So it's just kind of a full circle, you know, from, from the French restaurant in Scottsdale, Arizona to a little French Meadow in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, he's, he, it's in his blood. He loves it. He's, you know, 12 years older than I am, but he still loves working and, um, I, you know, he'll retire soon, but he still is doing that. So it's a great farm to table restaurant in St. Paul. And it's just, it's a beautiful place. In fact, he's bringing dinner home for me tonight. So, <laughs> so he's still perfect for you, right? I love that. I love that story. And I love how you said, you know, you couldn't have had the Mrs. Minnesota if it wasn't for him. So, well, amazing. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about the band. So share with us a story about the band in your journey. Well, okay. So what really started the whole journey of um, getting involved with special ed when I got that job as a para for five years was when my dad died. And he was only 63 years old and it was 1999 and that was a year my daughter graduated from high school so he wasn't there for that he died right before it and also before my stepdaughter my beautiful bonus daughter uh, graduated from the naval academy and so he missed both of those and he was so patriotic and so proud of adrian graduating from naval academy and kimberly graduating from high school and uh that summer is when i sat and changed my life and decided to um, work summer school for the special ed group. And it, that started my journey to then to be with the school district and um, also going just full time with my other um, direct sales business that I was doing at the time. And so it was, uh, I mean, it's been 20, gosh, 22 years. Is that right? <laughs> I used to be so good in math. Um, and it's still, I, I, I was, speaking with a um a polka dot connection a few weeks ago and i was talking about she had just lost her mother a couple of years ago and i said it's going to be 22 years that i've lost my dad and i just it still is really hard and she goes you know what the, the it doesn't get any easier it just becomes more familiar and i thought that was so wise and she was this young girl and i'm like wow that is true so it was the hardest thing that my family my my siblings, my mother, my children that we've ever gone through. And, uh, and it's just, it still is with us today, 22 years later. So again, it's, it doesn't get any easier. It just gets more familiar. So I thought I should share that with everybody out there too, because I know a lot of people have gone through that. Yeah. Especially now. Right. So yes, that is definitely great wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So, okay. That was really bad too, right? That's a bad thing to go through. So yeah. 
but it yeah. got me on, it got me on my journey though so that that was, it that was a tiny good thing about it <laughs> yes yes so now we have to go take a turn now we have to go with the ugly so the ugly. share yeah share with us a little bit about what ugly part of your journey you had to endure well i talked about that drug sales company i was working for and i was with them for 18 years um, but at the 14 year mark i started with another company and I was trying, you know, I was with both for four years. I wasn't really active with the business on the, on the second one, but that came to the point where, okay, I have to choose between the two because that four years was getting kind of weird. And I'm like, okay. So then when it came to that point of deciding it was, it was like another death. It was like, I was, it was really, really emotional. And even though I wasn't as active in that first company as I had been before, it was still a big part of my life for 18 years. And so it was um, found out that people that you thought were your friends <laughs> weren't really supporting you in that decision. And, uh, but that was okay. And it led to, even though it was ugly at the time and um, boy, has it completely changed my life that I made the right decision to go with that second company and it's um, life changing. So you can get through the ugly and, um, and then be free to be really to go soar with that, whatever your, your dreams were. And that is such a, a good point and amazing story in like the people that you thought your were your friends or were supportive really weren't. And so like, I think there's a message there in the sense of, you know, how, what do you think about that in a sense of what anybody thinks about what you're doing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, um, I guess just to say to our listeners today is that, you know, people don't really have the right to give their opinion of what it is you're doing or what decisions you're making. But the truth is that you're the only one who knows. Isn't that true for you? Yes. And that, you know, when you were faced with, you know, wanting to make a decision about, you know, which, which business you would stay and which would you would go, what was it that made you decide to go with the other business even though it was newer right it was you were only yeah. doing it for four years uh, and what you weren't is doing as much with it yeah so how did you know was it scary and how did you know which one to choose and did you even know what you were doing yeah I had no idea what I was doing um but it was it was a, a really true supportive friend that led me to the right decision and if she hadn't led me and even opened up my eyes to what the possibilities were I wouldn't be where I am today so I don't know if I can give a shout out to my friend. Can I just say your <laughs> sure. Kelly John or Byrne. Um, Pamela Baker was my enroller, love her to death. She changed my life when she introduced me to the, the, the company. And Kelly John or Byrne has been that support of helping me really realize what my possibilities are with it. And um, she's amazing. She has her own podcast too. She's the how gal. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> um, but yes, so I also want to go back before we leave um, to the good part, because Francois not only led me to my journey of, you know, being a Mrs. Minnesota and but also just being a mom and being a grandma. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't I don't know, I'm gonna get emotional, but ooh, <laughs> but I am totally blessed because I met Francois and I have four beautiful children and five very precious grandchildren. And I wouldn't have ever had that if I hadn't met Francois. So that's the other part of the good. 
Well, that's just great. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, I got emotional. (laughs) That is amazing. Yeah, but look, after all these years to be able to still say that and feel that way with such passion and conviction is a testimony in itself, right? Yeah, 40 years that I haven't killed him yet. I always say that, <laughs> but but I always say, oh, nor has he killed me. So, yeah, because it goes right. <laughs> yeah, that was, that used to be a joke at my house. It was like, remember, I let you live, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so fun to chat with you and to hear about your journey and just all of the great things that you're doing in the world and your life of service uh, to, you know, to Minnesota and also to the Special Olympics, to your brother and to your family. It is just amazing. And I appreciate you so much for being here to share that with us. And before we say goodbye, I would love to have you just finish the sentence for me. Are you ready? (laughs) So I know it's always a surprise, but um, the sentence is the world would be a better place if more people knew blank. The world would be a better place if more people knew how to have unconditional love for one another the way our athletes have for each other and for the, for us. When you see the joy on their faces when they're competing, I wish everybody could feel that all the time. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you are face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl get back up. You can do it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.